You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This is the motherfucking way. <laughs> this goddamn show is always going to just break me down too much, mainly just because of Grogu. And I'm sorry, I'm an apologist in a way, even though the show is still really good, The Mandalorian. But anytime Grogu is on the on screen, I start to kind of break down. And mm-hmm. definitely in this season, it chokes me up too much to see the relationship between Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, and Grogu, and how their relationship grows and grows and grows. But uh, that's right, we're talking about season three of The Mandalorian. And uh, as we last saw them, Grogu went with Luke Skywalker. That was it. Oh wait, and then there was another show, uh, The Book of Boba Fett, and evidently The Mandalorian was in that too. It's The Mandalorian 2.5 season. Exactly. uh, um, I call that a ratings booster. Oh, totally. And uh, honestly, I love that too. I'm apologist for Book of Boba Fett. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I was like, that's pretty cool. And uh, and then when you see Mando and uh, Grogu reunite, I'm like, Fuck my goddamn heart. And uh, I, I'm sorry. It's just the real puppet, the real Muppet, maybe. Uh, but just Grogu is so insanely cute. And I love that their relationship together. I wish Pedro Pascal was my daddy because he's the <laughs> internet's zaddy. He's I don't know what that is. All of our daddy, right? Oh my God. Oh he's my God. I love he him. He's all of our daddies. So with that, today to talk to me, talk with me about The Mandalorian season three, I have Neil. Hello. I have Melina. Hello. And I have Rose. Hello. So, as I said, uh, in the Book of Boba Fett, they do reunite. And now this season is really all about how Mando, since he took off his helmet at the end of season two, he has to atone. And that's kind of like the whole underlying plot, at least for Din Djarin is to atone for this by the armor who's played by uh, Emily Swallow, who is so fucking awesome too in this, um, is that he has to go back to Mandalore, the planet where all Mandalorians come from to basically wash away his sins in the the waters of Mandalore. And uh, the last thing that they all know is that Mandalore is basically uh, an inhabitable planet. No one's there anymore. And there's a lot of creepy crawly things around there. And it's just a whole journey between uh, Mando and Grogu to go to Mandalore and get this all done. And, of course, Bo-Katan uh, is back, Katie Sackoff, who is such a badass uh, from at least the second season and into this. Uh, she has a much more prominent role in this, even more so, yeah. because you start to realize that the Mandalorian is 
not necessarily just Din Djarin, it's maybe all Mandalorians that this could be talking about. And so it's really interesting to see where this show could actually lead to after the third season. But I'd love to hear uh, what everyone else uh, thinks about this season. Now, the thing is, at the very part, first part of this, this is going to be non-spoilery stuff. And then we're going to go into some spoilers of what we really loved about particular things. And we'll talk about that and we'll give our ratings, blah, blah, blah. But Neil, what did you think about Mando season three? I enjoyed it quite a bit. We, I, I think some of the criticisms are, I didn't have issue with because we're getting a bigger picture of this. You know, we're between Jedi and Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. We're pre-First Order. We're in the thick of New Republic. And we start to get bits and pieces of that world, which do affect our characters. This is not random one-offs that will not play. These are characters that have crossed paths and potentially will cross paths with our current two main characters again. Uh, I do think that season one and season two are a little more tightly knitted together, mm-hmm. but this one isn't loose and, and screwed up. Um, the infamous cameo episode, I don't have any problems <laughs> with because it's not just fan service of these cameos, but it's showing you again, outside the new Republic. And there's still pieces of the separatists out there that while the new Republic is not the empire in its, villainy it is right. just it's equal in bureaucracy and soul exactly exactly yeah. yeah and there are people not lining up they're like oh thank god you saved us you're here to protect this new republic no they don't want anything to do with them um and then it's also kind of a detective story it's a little bit of a who's done it right um, they're they're gumshoeing their way through the episode to get to the end of the maze which is the whole point of the episode anyway not that the, the not not to provide us with these cameos they were those were just nice treats along the way. Rose, what did you think? The, the point you made earlier about how, you know, the Mandalorian, well, that title could technically refer to any of them. Yeah, I, I, I guess, but, and I know that that's, I believe either John Favreau or Dave Filoni said something along that line uh, before the season aired, kind of, I guess, hinting at what the season was going to be about because Din Djarin kind of got sidelined this season. I, I didn't really like that that take on the concept of oh well it could be about any of them because mm-hmm. I'm not watching it for any of them and I, I never watched any of the cartoons none of that really interests me and the fact that they are just making this into more and more an adaptation of or sequel to the cartoons uh, kind of lost me because I, I didn't get mm. into the show for that I'm not saying that I, I didn't like this season but I liked it a lot less and I, I had a lot of problems with it because it just seems like Dave Filoni is turning this into his like own personal big budget fan fiction. I I understand what you mean because there were moments where and even particular episodes where it didn't involve anyone or any of the main characters. It was dealing with um, uh, Katie M. O'Brien, a comms officer that I think you saw in season Season two two. with uh, Mm -hmm. under Moff Gideon uh, played by Giancarlo Esposito and uh, Obed uh, Abtahi. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Pin, uh, Pin Pershing, who was the original doctor who uh, was helping out, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, Werner Herzog. Uh, Werner Herzog, yeah. Um, uh, trying to find like the child. To see the baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the child. And you get to see them now basically in rehab with the New Republic. There's like, like a whole episode dedicated to that, which gave me a lot of Andor vibes, which I was kind of like, yeah, yeah I kind of like that. And, I um, like that quite a bit. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind that episode as it was, as it was shot and written and what we saw and what we learned from it. But given how we only get so many episodes per season of this show, I don't know, I felt like what was told in that episode could have been doled out in like, I don't know, credit scenes or something leading up to, did, did they really need to take an entire episode to show us that? instead of continuing the main story because I, I figured it would be relevant later but it, it just for me anyway it contributed to the kind of massive like pacing and tone problems that I felt this season had Melina hmm. what do you think I do completely understand where you're coming from when you say that this has some tonal and pacing issues if I have a major issue with this season it's exactly that um and I think that that is kind of punctuated by, as we say, the infamous sixth episode, the cameo episode, as we say. <laughs> and I, yeah. thought that be- I thought that was because up until that point, I was going along with it. And I thought, well, I'm enjoying these episodes so much individually. And yet there is a clunkiness in how they come across tonally. It wasn't a big complaint until we got to that sixth episode where it just went so unbelievably goofy that I even wrote in my notes, this feels less like an episode of this show than it does one of those early 2000s MTV Awards <laughs> sketches that they right? used to do where they would bring in the host and they'd splice them into whatever movie was popular that year and they'd have them say something silly or anachronistic. It was that level of broad. And it even features... A person who was that one was of those hosts, those. yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. And someone who, if I... they continue to do that, would definitely be in them today. And Jesus, they're not an actor. I love them, but they're not an actor. But uh, yeah, all that aside, that was the only that was the point in the season where I was like, okay, I'm you're starting to lose me. You're gonna have to pull it out in the first two episodes and tie everything together, and that is what made this season work for me was those two final episodes. I thought that they mm-hmm. did an incredible job in pulling it all together and actually finding its footing. In regards to your complaint about uh, Din and Grogu not feeling like they are, in fact, the main characters this season, Rose, I also understand that. But when I, I pulled back and had to think about that, and I was like, I think the reason that that doesn't bother me is because the first two seasons, they're very tight, like you were saying, Neil, but the story was much more narrow. It's about a guy who becomes a reluctant father figure, and then he has to figure out what he's going to do with this kid. Now, they are in something, in, they're involved in something that is so much bigger than them. That is retaking Mandalore, assisting Bo-Katan. It makes sense that they shift the focus to those, others char- to those other characters, because otherwise, it wouldn't hit as hard. Right, and because I, what I think about that is that even Din Djarin, well, th- this might be getting into spoiler territory, but Din Djarin even recognizes that himself, is that he is not the most important person in this story uh, for the overall uh, story of basically bringing the Mandalorians together and taking and retaking uh, Mandalore. Um, now, before we get into spoiler territory, I, I love to... What um I guess we're trying to think of like what we could say about uh the the show um what's uh what oh Neil what's your favorite episode in the season so far? It has to be the last episode. Yeah. As Star Wars fans or as a Star Wars fan, I'll keep it singular on me. That episode had all the action, and we even got a 
we didn't get the cookie cutter version of Star Wars action. We had an anime feel. I mean, there's a there's a feel of we've got two cavalry slamming into each other in an oh, air yeah. battle. Literally. With with POV <laughs> and all sorts of stuff going on. We've got the the revolving duels going on like and the the payoff was there. I mean, it didn't have to be uh exactly what it turned out but the it felt very paid off to not just this season but all three seasons so far mm-hmm. melina what about you oh it's a tie between the third episode because it was extremely andor-esque and actually the penultimate episode because i yeah. thought that's actually where they tied up uh, all the loose ends and they brought it together beautifully and it was a perfect setup to a wonderful finale yeah rose how about you uh, this this is not going to be me being like Mike Stoklasa levels of contrarian, but honestly, if I had to pick a favorite from this episode, it would be the cameo one. Uh, because for me, what works best about Star Wars, the thing that appeals to me the most about it and that I, that I always get a kick out of is just kind of seeing life in the galaxy of Star Wars. And this was that. It was a peek into this kind of pocket of it. And I just... I don't know. I that I came away weirdly enough with that one being the one that I liked the most this season. And yeah, those cameos they they didn't hurt either. I mean, one of them in particular, when I realized who it was, I actually gasped out loud and was so <laughs> just full of rapturous joy that I actually had to rewind it because I realized I wasn't paying attention to what they were actually saying. Right, <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> I and I totally I I get all of y'all's choices too and i do have actually a, a soft spot for guns for hire the the cameo mm-hmm. uh, episode uh, quite a bit because the the reason why i like that one actually quite a lot is the realization that din Djarin does have and it's towards the end of the episode of what bo katan and uh, din Djarin are trying to do is to gather up all, all the other mandalorians and um i thought that was a really poignant moment uh, after this really cool fight scene and uh and like I love the broadness, but also it it brought me back, and I know this might be controversial to say, it brought me back to a little bit of Last Jedi when it talks about uh, that episode is all about how this great opulent world has all these droids that do everything for people, and then they're turning on humans for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, and there's this fantastic scene in a bar where the robot or the droids are yeah. trying to tell Din Djarin and Bo-Katan, like, no, 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 we, we don't want this to happen. It's just all like these bad apples are fucking shit up for us and we don't know what to do. And uh, yeah. like, they're just it's a reverse like, of the cantina scene in New Hope. Exactly. It's the exact reverse of that. Yeah. Two humans walk in and everything stops. Re- right. Complete with an almost record scratch. <laughs> right. Was there not? I thought I heard that. No, but the music <laughs> they were listening to just came to an immediate halt. Right. It was very funny. <laughs> I... But I, I actually I liked the tone. It kind of going up and down to comedy, to action, to intrigue, because mm-hmm. it was more the detective episode, to a little bit more broad comedy with the cameos, which we'll talk about in a minute. And um, and so I, I it's either that or definitely the last episode, the return. And uh, just because if you want to kill me uh, with uh, sweetness and uh, just overjoy, I mean, just have Grogu and. You know, looking at Din Djarin and him, you could just see Pedro Pascal like looking at him, even though he has the mask on the entire mm-hmm. time. Like, oh my god, this is killing me! Let's let's give our ratings for this, and then we can go into spoilers and we can do a little uh, final thought stuff. But Neil, what is your rating for Mandalorian season three? I'll give this nine out of ten 
chest plates we never saw really do what they were meant to do. <laughs> that should be more for a negative. It was rating. it was Anton's chest plate, like a little bit. <laughs> uh, Melina, what is your uh, rating? Uh, I give this uh, very enthusiastic nine out of ten light cruiser paint jobs that must have been quite inconvenient to do. Right. <laughs> the first uh, thing Rose? I thought when I saw that was how many hours did that take? <laughs> how many? Right? Know. <laughs> and then how many gallons did that take? Uh, Rose, what's your rating? Uh, I'm going to be the sourpuss here. Uh, six cameos of one half of the greatest band in the world out of ten. Oh, that's six a, out of ten is not end. so sour. We'll let you it's not too sour. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to give it nine out of ten yeses. Um, so <laughs> make y'all motherfuckers cry. Now, we're going to spoiler territory. Jack Black and Lizzo are the cameos that we've been talking about in episode six. Uh, um uh, don't also, forget Christopher Lloyd. And Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Nobody pissed their pants over that one, though. Everybody complained, oh, Jack Black and Lizzo, but I never saw anybody They complained about, about Lizzo Lloyd. because there's a, there's a cache of racist Star Wars fans that yeah. don't let anyone but white males in. Right. Finn, Rose, uh, I, the prince, the duchess. I don't right. think we know her full name, but that's, uh... they didn't bitch about... Doc Brown. They didn't bitch about Jack Black. They bitched about her. And if you see yep. her Instagram story, she's been a Star Wars fan since she was a kid. Her dad introduced it to it. Yeah. And she wished he had been around to see that she'd made it into the Star <gasps> it's Wars. It's incredible. Oh that's, and oh, that's so sweet. I, I can't imagine for... Because she dressed up as Grogu, I think, the first uh, season for Halloween. And yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how awesome it must have been for Lizzo to be on set and then there okay we're gonna spoiler everything uh but there is a great moment when uh Din Djarin and Bo uh Katan and uh Grogu are visiting this planet because they find out that the rest of her uh cohort of Mandalorians that are the ones that without the masks are there yep. on this planet basically being uh missionary or missionaries uh mercenaries <laughs> the opposite, of that. The opposite. <laughs> and uh yeah they're tailgating and um, and so they have to visit uh, Jack Black and Lizzo, uh, who basically he was a uh, an imperial like general or something like that. But then you know through the program that we saw in episode three, now he's kind of reformed, and him and the Duchess Lizzo fell in love, got married, and they run this whole planet basically of artists and philosophers and the it's droids. Very do all sweet, the work. very sweet, and they're they're a little broad. They're uh, like especially Jack Black. He has this kind of faux English. They're British one. Accent. They're the one percent. They're he's, a decent one yeah. for sure. He's basically doing, he's right at that level of the Peaches music video. I'm just going to say that. Right, right, totally, <laughs> And if totally. you like that, then that is okay. <laughs> right, and nothing could have been better for Lizzo, because uh, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's so fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, that she asked, like, can I hold the baby? And uh, they're like, and Din is just like, well, he doesn't like to be held. And uh, and she's he like, He doesn't react food. well to strangers, and he just <laughs> force leaves into her lap <laughs> which i i'm sh i wonder if she asked for or they just they did for her as a special oh my treat God. because I, not only did she dress up as him she has like a gigantic the world's biggest collection of every grogu merchandise oh my God, ever it. made so yeah having her hold him the entire episode i, I guarantee that was like it I must have been him? a dream i think yeah. i think lizzo could ask for anything she wants and people oh yeah all too happy to oblige oh totally i'm gonna be fair though and say, I don't think she's the best actor in the world. 
No, it, she, no, not really. Yeah, it's really, she did okay. She's not, and it, like I said, it did feel kind of like a sketch in that it was extremely broad. But honestly, the people who are getting mad about that, as or as mad about it as they are, I'm like, okay, guys, really, go outside, need to pull back, and have some perspective. Because totally. seriously, it's, you know, even that, like, I will admit, that is my least favorite episode of the season. It didn't make me mad at all. I just kind of sat no. there thinking, this is a little weird. And then, of course, you know, you get Doc Brown in there, the, the man with the DeLorean. And I thought that was, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was a bit silly. But at the same time, I'm like, that's okay. Star Wars has plenty of silly. It doesn't always have to be yeah. dark. And just because it's not an episode of the Clone Wars doesn't mean that it can't be upbeat and There's fun. been cameo all throughout Mandalorian. Yeah, like there, there's two things in Hollywood that makes Hollywood itself come a call in, and that is the Muppets and Star Wars. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a part of it. That's very true. Very true. Um, so uh, I, what I really did like, um, kind of going back to a little bit of the, the Andor talk, is that um, it started to go uh, deeper into like the New Republic, like the kind of the bureaucracy that we saw in Andor, which I thought was very interesting with the Empire, and uh, hell, even the um, I think it was like a little bit in uh, the Spies episode or maybe the Foundling, where um, I forget the actor's name, but he uh, maybe it was actually in the Pirate, where um, the actor who plays the uh, Paul Sun Hyung's lead, Captain Carson Teva. Oh yeah, Appa. Yeah. He um, he's a, a part of the uh, New Republic, and he, but he's a you know an X-wing fighter, and um, and so <clears throat> like there, you get to see them understanding that uh, Navarro is like under attack and uh, by pirates, and you get to see this like again bureaucracy like with Tim Meadows, Tim Meadows. cameo, <laughs> cameo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like cameo fucking city in this whole show, which again. It, it, it has to be just a dream. It's like I'm in Star Wars fucking canon. Like mm-hmm. Lizzo is in Star Wars canon, and it, like it's so cool and fun. But um, to to go down that route and and then also see the um, the rise of like Bo-Katan's also going through her own um, kind of like crisis of faith of like what she should do because she's kind of lost all hope because all of her people left her. And because uh, she doesn't have the the dark saber anymore, and uh, and then basically reluctantly kind of helping Din Djarin, um, be, you know, be washed by Mandalore and all these kind of things, and then kind of rising through the ranks through the the court of the the what did they call the Night Watch or something? Like? I don't know what they're called. The Night Owls. Uh, the, Which one? The, Her group's the, the Night Owls. The Night Owls, yeah. The Din's group is the Children of the Watch. Children of the Watch. That's and what part it of is. that. She was Death Watch. So. That's right. Yeah. Um, I found that stuff all very interesting. I love it when it like it it does these subtle things to like really world build with with just talking about it and not necessarily showing these things. And you again you because the familiarity that Star Wars you just immediately receives like you just kind of get it. Uh, and I, I thought it was so well done and very interesting. And we got to talk about at least the last episode because the last episode is. So goddamn good because basically Riders of Rohan ride. Oh my god. <laughs> Rogu not only becomes Krang, uh, but also uh we get to see the Riders of Rohan with the Mandalorian and these new super duper troopers and They fly now. <laughs> they fly. I just, you just put the Abba song in my head, right? <laughs> 
super <laughs> duper trooper's gonna find Well, and we get a bit of John Wick with the hallway fight. Like, oh, God, there's yes. all sorts. They, they pulled. This isn't just the Western samurai motif. They're pulling from lots of places, but it doesn't feel like a ripoff. It feels more like an homage. We yeah. worked in R5. R5 is now more solid Star Wars canon than he ever was. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was sprinkled throughout you. the season. I told you he was going to have a hero moment, Rose. Told you. That was something I had a huge problem with also, even though, yeah, he ended up doing great in the end. Love you, sweetie. You're doing amazing. But when Din goes to Amy Sedaris's shop and asks for a droid meant for exploration and analysis and whatnot, and he picks the rolling trash can instead of, oh, I don't know, the BD unit that's 10 feet away. All right. <laughs> I guess he hasn't played Fall in Order. <laughs> no. Well, because Dave well, Filoni is that. a big fan of R5. That's the only, only explanation I can think of. But my favorite thing about the final episode, I have to say, is actually something that has been a bit controversial. Is And that's what they end up doing with Moff Gideon. And the fact that he is utilizing clone technology, courtesy of yeah. Papa Hux. Yeah. Well, sort of. He's... He stole it, and he was even cl- oh, cloning was your thing. He's they're all lying. You know, in that meeting, they're all lying to each other. We just know oh, for yeah. sure, Gideon in his own ego is cloning himself, either for spare parts so he can live longer, or he's got agents that are now force sensitive. Well, right. Well, that's the that's the whole point of the, yeah, that's the whole point of the I think of the entire damn show is that. Originally, in the first season, they were trying to take Grogu, or Dr. Pershing was, to take his blood to mm-hmm. basically put it in the clones so that all of his clones are Force-sensitive. Like, it yeah. kind of comes full circle from the first season. Well, the assumption makes... I think most of us had was this was what, you know, somehow Palpatine returned, that line. Right. This is all <laughs> leading to that. Snow. No, Gideon's out for himself. Yeah, we, right. well, we all know that... That's what Filoni does best in in his career is that he takes what didn't work about certain Star Wars properties and he's like, all right, we're gonna patch this up and we're gonna make it we're gonna make it better, which is what I love about the Clone Wars and it's made me like the prequels. And I am actually impressed with what they've been doing to bridge the gap between the current timeline and what we know we're gonna see in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I don't know if they can fully salvage it because I always just thought that was. I, I hate the Rise of Skywalker. I'm sorry. It's my least favorite Star no, Wars it's, movie. it's terrible. Oh, everyone um, does. It sucks. Yeah. But even then, I'm like, you know what? If you can find a way to make that work, I am not going to sit here and act like you can't or at least build a foundation. Yeah. We know the cloning technology is going to continue, and I do love that we see more than ever just that Moff Gideon is a complete self-serving guy but not completely, uh, not completely without merit. He is an incredibly intelligent guy. He even says these clones are the best parts of me. They just have the one thing I don't. Ultimately, what happens is that they retake Mandalore. All the Mandalorians become this huge grand thing, which is very reminiscent at the end of New Hope, uh, where uh, Bo-Katan becomes finally the leader that she was always meant to be. The the dark has been destroyed by Moff Gideon. But that doesn't matter. That is not the you know what they need or what she needs to rule is because she is that good of a leader, and um, they are uh, baptizing basically uh, Ragnar. Is that is the the kid's Ragnar. name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Kaz. yeah, and uh, and then they also are going to um, uh, or Din Djarin wants to baptize uh, in the waters of Mandalore 
Grogu, but he can't say the words. And I totally thought <laughs> he was going to say, finally, this is the way. He didn't say it, uh, but uh, if he did, I would be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And, uh, and also, I didn't know how it was going to sound, uh, so I'm actually kind of glad that he didn't say anything. I, I like, hope we never see him talk. Yeah, and uh, but Dendrarin then says, well, I want to adopt him as my son. And so now he is a part of the clan, and now they get to have their own adventures beyond this because he has to you know live the way of you know adventures uh that mandalorians uh, uh partake in uh, as his apprentice and uh and dave filoni is in that scene it uh, was one of the the patrons uh which is great he has that giant hat and um and then um and then uh he goes back to navarro and uh, carl weathers gives him a little farm and Din, Jaren, and Grogu just get to kind of live their life at peace. And it has, like, a closing iris, which... That was great. Are we all okay if this was the series finale? I certainly am. If that is... It's not going to be the series finale. I think Mm -hmm. we all know that. But if that's the end of their chapter, that is a beautiful, beautiful place to pass the helm to another character. Right. Uh, Neil, uh, how about you go in your final thoughts? Uh, Little Cabin is an understatement. That was a fucking tool shed. That was like, come on. <laughs> I miss the Raven Crest. He's got this little sports car. He needs a ship ship and he needs a, a house or a headquarters. Put a second floor on that thing, please. Um, <laughs> Renovate. I also, that last shot, I, I may be just looking for layers that aren't there, but Grogu is practicing the force or playing with the frog. He didn't eat it. He's just he, didn't eat he it. puts it back into the little the little like you would think koi pond, but it's character growth. He and he looks at the camera. He does everything but wink. It's it is a really good bookend <laughs> on it. And they could in that they totally could. Um so yeah, it was very satisfying all the way through. Oh, Melina, what are your final thoughts? Um, well I I would say that this is not my favorite season of The Mandalorian, which is really not to say anything. Um, I'm such a big Star Wars fan, and The Mandalorian is one of my favorite shows of all time. It really is. Um, With my issues with this season, they are there. I'm not going to deny that this has some pacing issues. And I I do think that, yeah, it gets a little too broad for me at points. Even then, I am not going to deny for one second that this season brought me everything that I ever expect from this show. And that is just, it's a, it's a lot of, it's just a ton of fun. It's incredible action. It's Grogu being cuteness to the level it can possibly be personified. And <laughs> Din Djarin is one of my favorite Star Wars characters of mm-hmm. all time. I think he, and Pedro Pascal you know, being the wonderful actor who I, I'm so glad that he is at the apex that he is right now. But just a, but just that character alone, you know, he's such a standout. This is one of the first properties since the original movies that gave me that sense, that original feeling mm-hmm. of those of those films, and it continues to do so. I don't mind that this is an, more of an ensemble piece than the first two seasons. This is about the retaking of a planet. This is about the bringing together of a shattered culture. It has to be bigger than Din and Grogu. You have to give Bo-Katan a long leash. I'm going to take that back. Not a long leash. You have to give her 
more character than because we've gotten two seasons of culture of uh, of character development with those two, you know, and I cannot stress enough how much I adored those last two episodes in particular. Yeah, it was a beautiful callback in so many ways to the original to the to New Hope especially and uh, Phantom Menace, but also it's a really beautiful subtle look at how we're going to bridge the gap between what's here and what the sequel trilogy is going to lead to. And if that's, and if Dave Filoni wants to take that, if he wants to take that under his belt, I don't trust anyone else to. So I, yeah, absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> Rose, what are your final thoughts? Um, I, I'm looking forward to next season where it seems like we're going to get back to the show that I thought we were watching. Um, like I said, this this was entirely predicated on just me not having seen or really caring about the cartoons or any of the stuff that happened in them and this feeling like them just taking an excuse to finish up the storylines from that, which, again, if you're someone like me, that's really alienating um, because this, this show, I'm sure you guys remember when it first premiered, this like took the entire freaking world by storm. I mean, this was such an approachable series. You didn't have to know anything about the world of Star Wars. And ever since last season, there's just been too much Star Wars in it, if that makes sense. Mm. And so I was really disappointed by that. But yeah, that, that setup at the end of, oh, well, now that we've done this absolutely massive thing, we've gotten this out of the way. Now you can go back to just having side quests every week. And it's like, all right, yes, thank you, finally. Um, so I, yeah, I... I didn't love this season fully. I didn't dislike it. I would probably watch certain episodes here and there again in the background and whatnot. But uh, I guess I'm just looking forward to the next one so we can just finally get back to the dynamics that made this show interesting in the first place. I really did love uh, this kind of all the way through. And um, I, uh, I, I'm pretty forgiving for this show, I think. And, 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 and I've been thinking about this actually all day. It's like, I don't know if I would be the best... Re critic for this season because it could have thrown any anything at me i'm like that sounds good and uh <laughs> i would have been fine with it uh i, I kind of feel like adult uh with uh, re reviewing it with you guys but i i think there there are plenty of episodes in here that were very intriguing and really they took a lot of swings and it worked for me and again <clears throat> what really still like just drives it home for me is the relationship between uh dinjarin and grogu and also the development of Bo-Katan. Like, I did not watch any of the cartoons that uh, Dave Filoni was famous for the creating, and I get it. Like, I get these characters. They're so, like, lived in and the way that they're written. And, like, and I think that's the one thing they don't really talk about too much is that it's a really well-written show, I think, for the most part. And, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, directed in, like, this the art direction. Like, it just it's a beautiful show and, you know, da-da-da, all these other things. But... I still love this, and I will always have, uh, you know, cute things, and Star Wars always makes me very happy. So even, like, my Porg, that ah! uh, <laughs> will always just love this kind of stuff, even with uh, Grogu that Melina has on camera. I have a Grogu as well. And uh, so I get it. But all we can say in the end is that this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the review. <laughs> <laughs> Punctuation mark.